Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Danger Room, the X-Men Comics Commentary Podcast. My name is Adam. And my name is Jeremy. And we are here to discuss X-Factor number 38, the penultimate, ultimate chapter of the Inferno Saga, uh, on sale November 22nd of 1988, cover date of March 1989, cover price of $1.50 because it's double sizer, and this one's titled Duet. On the cover of this is a fantastic cover. You've got evil Madeline Pryor and, um, I don't know, very angry-looking Jean Grey facing off, holding each other's hands, like trying to push each other away or demonstrate their powers. In the background, you've got Cyclops kind of uh, in two-tone colors. It's very stark. Background is red. I'd say Madeline's mostly purple, and Jean is more red. Lots of red. Various shades of red and layers of purpley red. And then you've got very classic comic book power signature things happening, kind of bisecting and dissecting the cover. Do you think Cyclops is dead? Oh, absolutely. I think Jean just killed Cyclops, and now she's going after Madeline. <laughs> Madeline's like, you killed my man! <laughs> and in the little uh, Marvel box, you've got uh, Madeline Pryor, Cyclops, and Jean. So this issue is going to be about Madeline Pryor, Cyclops, and Jean. What's weird is it's not. It's really a story about uh, the multiple man. It's really weird callback. The multiple man. I don't even remember who that is. Uh, I, I assume he's on Muir Island somewhere, multiple manning out. Oh, yeah, multiple man. Okay. Yeah, uh, Jamie yeah. Madrox, right? Jamie Madrox, yeah. 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 Okay. That, that guy. That guy who this issue is about. Totally. Yeah, yeah. Didn't you read How could I issue? have forgotten? Um, yeah, so. they, they don't call him multiple man in the issue. It was just Jamie Madrick, so I was confused. Oh, right, right. My bad. Uh, it's called Duet. It is written by Lewis Simonson, penciled by Walter Simonson, Al Milgram's inker, Joe Rosen's the letter, Tom Vincent's the colorist, Bob Harris is the editor, and Tom DeFalco is the editor-in-chief. And we, I don't know, start off this issue a beat after where we left the previous issue in which Madeline had put a little... Uh, power lasso around Jean and has pulled her up to uh, that, whatever this is, the stage, the pew, the... The Empire State's Building demonized. I just want to point out for everybody that noticed, yes, Jeremy called Louise Simonson Louis Simonson. I noticed it too. It's hilarious. You didn't hear that because I didn't say that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I just breezed by the eye sound. Well, you're editing this one, so you could go back and edit in a full-on Louise, and I would, you know, the, the the folks at home would not be the, none the wiser. Then you would be the one who sounds like the moron. Completely. Moron. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, uh, yeah, so up on here you've got, um, you got Alex Summers as the Goblin Prince, Madeline as the Goblin Queen, Jean's bound up, and then her parents as demons holding Madeline's son. And down below... Nathan, Christopher, Charles, Xavier, Summers, yes. Key West, Cable. <laughs> yeah. They call him Southwest for short. Okay. I don't know. Good, good. Yeah, good. That's yeah. the best I could do. Sorry. <laughs> We're ripping hardcore today, Whoa, folks. <laughs> I failed twice already. It's going to be an early night. All right. Anyways, uh... Yeah, down below, you've got uh, Cyclops and the rest of the X-Men kind of calling up. 
Madeline says that vengeance and destruction and death of Cyclops' son is what she wants. Strangely, Cyclops and Madeline are in the same pose. Oh, interesting. I wonder if that was done on purpose. They got matching dance moves. Yeah, so she's way bigger than he is. But <laughs> So it's it's weird. Like, Madeline must have used her uh, people shrinking power on the X-Men because they're very tiny. Yes, yes. <laughs> it's not a perspective shot. This is this is live action happening. Yeah, yeah. Or the opposite of a perspective shot. I don't know what you would even call that. The next page we get a summary of all of the X-Men. Uh, apparently the defeat, Nastir's defeat was costly. Of the X-Men, only the entire team survived. I'm not sure why they're saying this. I think it's because they, they go out and they say most of the X-Men were unscathed except for Longshot and Dazzler who are altered. And Havoc who has who is now the Goblin Prince. Yeah, so, uh, I mean, yes, everybody survived, but, you know, still some, some wrongdoing to undo. Uh, X-Factor, they're all fine. They're all good. Except for Jean Grey, who is captured by Madeline. Yeah, yeah. Iceman's got his belt back. I yeah. was wondering what happened to that belt. Well, he ran back to ship and was like, ship, I'm going to need this. Okay, Bobby. <laughs> no problem, Bobby. And, yeah, they kind of go over the plan here. Madeline uh, wants to kill the baby. Yeah, she talks about it a lot. Um, the X-Men say, or the X-Factor says, he's just a baby. And she says, you should have thought of him, X-Factor, when you lured Scott away from me. Which is, you know, it's a fair point. Yeah. Uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a little twisted for sure. It feels like a little bit of guilt by association. Like, X-Factor, if you didn't exist, he wouldn't have left me. And the reality is, if it wasn't for X-Factor, it would have been any other number of reasons Cyclops would have left. But, uh, yeah, yeah. I really like this close-up of Madeline Pryor. Uh, it's good drawing. Yeah, it's great. She looks very evil. Yeah. Gene calls out and says uh, he's an infant. He's innocent, so you probably shouldn't kill him. Without you, Gene Cray, Scott might not have joined the X Factor. It was the knowledge that you had returned seemingly from the dead that made him rush from me. I, why are they trying to like communicate with this woman? She's crazy. We know this. Yeah. Formulate a plan. Stop talking to her. She's clearly not in her right mind. She's probably possessed by demons is what they're surmising. So figure it out. Well, it's a double-sized issue, so we have to kind of retell a little bit of what happened in the last issue. And just to hammer it home, we're going to repeat some of the events that happened last issue again for some reason. But but that's not for a couple of pages. Double-sized issues are hard to write. Yeah. Colossus says, we defeated Nestir, his demons retreated, and the gate to Limbo has been closed. Uh, yep, but she points out that the demons that remain are hers, mostly referring to uh, Jean's parents. Yeah, but I guess there's some other ones, too. Yeah. So Cyclops is like, Madeline, it's me. Don't d take me, destroy me, but let the other ones go. Which is good. Yeah, Good for Scott. Madeline's like, nope, why should I destroy you alone when I can have you all? Yeah, that's a good point, too. Yeah. These guys are on the ball with their arguments. So she uh, she commands all of the remaining demons to attack the X-teams. And uh, Iceman says that they got to get the babies. 
which is like going to be the uh, the new the new slogan of X Men and X Factor. Got to get the babies. Going to save the world, <laughs> no matter what. Got to get the babies. You think this is where uh, heroes got save the cheerleader save the world from? Was it this panel? Got to save the babies. Got to save the world. Ah, uh, absolutely. <laughs> I think that's exactly where they pulled that line from. They were probably like in a one of those meetings where they're like, how can we turn got to get the babies going to save the world into a cool slogan? I mean, it's pretty cool as it is, but we need it to be a little snappier. Well, it's early 2000s and everybody likes a cheerleader. How about save the cheerleader, <laughs> save the world? Boss. <laughs> that, that's what they say in the 2000s, right? Boss. Get that <laughs> get that money printer out. <laughs> so, yeah, it's uh, Longshot that says going to save the world, but Iceman takes off. And uh, Lucky Longshot isn't so lucky. He slips and falls, uh, going into Beast, who hits Rogue, who punches Beast. And this kind of starts off a little calamity of misunderstanding between the teams, because then uh, Rogue hits Angel, who accidentally launches all of his knives at Wolverine. Wolverine gets all mad. Wolverine is busy fighting demons, so he's actually doing something of value Yeah, up to this point. And so he turns around. He is now... They infer earlier that the X-Men are like kind of dark. Yeah, we didn't really cover that in the beginning. Um, well, the, the comic didn't cover that in the beginning. No. I think everybody's a little altered. I'm not sure. I guess Dazzler and uh, Longshot are the most altered. Yes. That's why they called them out. Yes. Uh, and so Wolverine, as he gets done fighting demons, turns around and he's talking about the mutant hunters, how you're just incompetent. Uh, and this whole mutant hunters will be a theme, but I think it's nice. I think it's worked in here nicely. Angel, uh, he goes after Wolverine because, you know, Angel and Wolverine have never really gotten along all that well. And Angel does not like being called incompetent. Mutant hunters incompetent. You're out of line, mister. And you're the dude's going to set me straight. Come and try. Cyclops shoots Wolverine in the back before Angel can get to him. Then Storm tosses Wolver- uh, Arch- Archangel. Wait, uh, uh, not yet, Adam. Gosh, yes, spoilers. Sorry, spoilers. Uh, so what is he, Angel? Just Angel. Just Angel? Uh, okay. Death. He's death right now. Death Angel? Death Angel. Uh, tosses Death Angel aside and uh, with some, some some wins, and that's when Storm and Cyclops start going after each other. Control your X-Men, Storm! If you cannot handle your mutant hunter, Cyclops, I shall have to do it for you! And Storm knocks Cyclops off of the Empire State Building, and he's dead now. Those words between Cyclops and Storm were almost exactly spoken in the last issue of X-Men. Yes. <laughs> so I'm not entirely sure if... If they're just like, let's just do the same thing over again because we've got more pages to fill or maybe X-Factor readers hate reading Uncanny X-Men or (laughs) they just weren't talking to one another and they're like, ah, we're going to stop with the X-Men and X-Factor on the top of uh, the Empire State Building and then uh, you take it from there. Demon possession. Demons are very repetitive. And then Louise Simonson says, you got it, Chris Claremont. Did you hear that, everybody? He said it again, Louis. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, Cyclops and Storm keep fighting, and uh, Cyclops is like, "No, no, no! Mutant hunters, Cameron Hodge, news, propaganda. It's been over for months, you know." And Madeline points out that the old leader versus the new they fought before. You know, Cyclops versus the powerless Storm. Oh, they fought. They fought before. You know, I don't know who she's talking to. 
Well, the, you're missing one thing. Storm comes flying back around, and she says, we received news from across the world. We always held it on tape for us to review. We've seen nothing but X-Factor. Or we've seen nothing to indicate that X-Factor's supposed change of purpose or heart. Yeah, I'm skipping over that because it's kind of dumb, and it gets resolved later in a good way, but which I'm okay with, but like this this dialogue is very clunky. They're nailing a lot of the points that <laughs> I feel like I'm actually okay with because they nail them earlier in the comic, and then they resolve them as you go through the book, and you're like, oh, little mid-comic retcon. Okay, cool. Yeah, okay. But And it all works for me. I'm, I'm not complaining by any means. <clears throat> I just don't feel like, realistically, Storm would be telling Madeline and Scott about the way that they received the news. We used to watch them on tapes. <laughs> I, I I trust what I what you're saying far less than I trust the news that we receive by mail. <laughs> right. Uh, and so, yeah, Madeline does say that she remembers the fight that they had back in X-Men 201. She waited nearby. She knew what she needed. She needed Scott to be humiliated and defeated to leave the X-Men and be with Madeline. But she experienced the fight as a sort of daydream, and she got her heart's desire she didn't know it until later, but her nascent powers had awoken, and she had influenced the battle. The victory yeah. was really hers. Redcon. I don't like that. I mean, I'm okay it, with it. It works in it works in the context of this story, but X Men Two Hundred One as a standalone really shows like this is Storm's team, even without her powers. And Cyclops is a distracted old man, so out with the old, in with the new. This just kind of takes away some of that gravity. Yeah, you know what? You're right. That's a good point. <laughs> okay, you're you're right. But yeah, so for the context of this story, fine, whatever. It's okay. I guess it's it is you know somewhat clever rewriting, or is it? I don't know. Anyways, that's what that's what they're saying happened. Yeah, uh, I, I, the 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 key idea is that they're reconning Madeline to be bad way back then. Yeah, even though she she didn't know it. Right, it's all subconscious, but. It was occurring nonetheless. So Storm keeps hitting the point home that Cyclops has betrayed Xavier's dreams. <laughs> How can you have done it? Why are we talking about this during a battle? <laughs> um, Cyclops says, that's absurd. Stop. Listen and think. You say you saw the news on tapes. Where do you think the tapes came from? The computer tapes. Madeline, says Storm. She ran the computer. She had control through the access. She insisted it was her way of helping. We thought she was our friend. Can it be true? Was she the X-Men's enemy even then? Well, she just admitted to being the X-Men's enemy back when Storm and... Well, maybe she's not talking loud then. She can. She's talking at that point only so Scott can hear. <laughs> Storm still is like, yeah, remember the time I beat you up? I'm going to do it again. <laughs> like a power I got my powers back. <laughs> Uh, Cyclops says, perhaps she felt it was in her best interest to keep the teams apart. And he takes a blast at Madeline, who pulls the goblin dad of, or goblin, or uh, uh, demon god dad of Jean Grey's, what is her name? What is his name? I don't Elaine, know. Elaine Grey and Prof Buster. Professor. Professor Buster Grey. <laughs> Madison Grey? No, just Professor Grey. Harlan Gray. Henry. He's got to have a name. Orlando oh, well. Gray. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I like with, Orlando. Let's go with Orlando. 
Love it. So yes, <clears throat> she blocks Cyclops' blast with Orlando Gray. And uh, it almost looks like, I mean, Blast looks pretty serious. Uh, Orlando does not look good, but Madeline does say, ah, too bad he didn't use a killing blast. So he's fine. Don't you see, says Jean Grey, he won't use a killing blast. He still cares about you. Madeline says, that's too bad because I'm going to destroy him. I'm I'm the goblin queen. Yo. Yo. (laughs) Storm does not share Cyclops' scruples, and she tries to blast uh, Madeline with some lightning. But Madeline is able to reflect it back at Storm using her bubble powers. Longshot and Dazzler are still kind of befuddled or not doing anything. They're just kind of sitting around. And uh, Madeline offers them the spotlight. She's a center stage, the starring role. This is all about you. So they start uh, dancing in the spotlight? All you got to do is fight Angel, Dark Angel. Yeah, Death Angel. Well, she calls him Dark Angel. Yeah, well, she's Death Angel. Okay. (laughs) But yeah, she calls it out. She says, there's the Dark Angel. The world is watching, so play your part like the stars. I know you are. And using uh, Longshot's luck and Dazzler's powers, they team up and they take him down. And he goes crashing towards Madeline. And Madeline corrupts Dark Angel. Yeah, he turns into a a demon-esque version of himself. He mutters apocalypse for some reason. Because they're tainted. They're both tainted by evil and they had evil masters and his was apocalypse. I don't know. It's kind of weird. Yeah, I mean, whatever. I get it. Apocalypse offered power and I gave him my soul. And now because you turn to me because I of all people understand and approve. No, No. And then they make out for a bit. And he becomes all crooked nosed, evil forehead looking. Vampire, demonic sort of. And then she just knocks him to the ground, but he'll come back later. And she makes this whole tower or the Empire State Building more demonic, even taller. I'm not sure what's going on there. And she doesn't describe it. She does a lot of talking, but none of the talking makes any sense. Yeah, it doesn't have to do with what she's doing. She says something. Maybe she's turning it into a dagger. She kind of talks about a dagger, but it's not clear in the panel. Um, it's just more bad stuff. But I do like the next panel, how Wolverine, if you don't really know that he's attacking demons, it looks like he's just attacking the wall. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'll cut this whole mountain down. <sighs> yep. So she's created something, and she says, uh, see, Scott, see the marvel that I have created? So I'm, I'm guessing she did something to the Empire State Building to make it eviler looking. See what you have thrown away? And Storm tries to get Cyclops to use more of the stun force than he used before, but Cyclops says, I'll take a shot, but I can't, I won't, I won't kill her. Lord, help me, Storm. I've hurt her badly. What most of what she says of me is true. And she is the child, of, the mother of my child. I almost reversed that and said the child of my mother. That would have been <laughs> hilarious. Awkward. <laughs> Such scruples as your, as if your optic blasts, even at lethal force, could touch me. Hmm. Angel is back. He thinks to himself, Apocalypse began his transformation, but she's finished it. Uh, and But now he's kind of torn. She promised me power. Uh, I want to fight and destroy, but... What will truly be destroyed is myself. I gotta fight it. Or I will truly be destroyed! Madeline finally calls Havoc in and says, Alright, well, this has been fun, but 
Go get him, Havoc. Go get your brother. Bring him to me. And that makes Dazzler and Longshot angry. Hey, we're the stars. It's our show. How dare Havoc upstage us? Alex? And that's Alex fires at Cyclops. And that's when uh, Longshot and Dazzler says, now it's our chance. It's Storm. It would be. She's always trying to hog the limelight as she uses her powers to blow them away, to let brother fight brother. Angel freeze gene somehow i guess he slices open the lasso the magic lasso that is wrapped around her neck that uh madeline is casting he just slices right through it and genie you're free and somehow this also clears wolverine's head oh what happened angel disrupted gene's bonds james bonds uh backlash somehow cleared my head she's free but angel he's unconscious and there's some demons about to get him don't count on it, bubs. And he kills the demons. Yeah, and now the, the tide is turning. Um, Dazzler and Longshot are still being flown around. They're complaining about Storm. Um, Rogue comes flying in, and she takes... Yeah, Dazzler says she's going to do something to Storm, and Rogue's like, no, you aren't. Yeah, I'll burn a spotlight right through her. But Rogue says, nah, that's not going to happen. Tackles her to the ground, and... Iceman... Shoots off some ice, and uh, Storm has long shots spinning very fast. <laughs> you spin me right round, baby, <laughs> right round like a record, baby. Ha! <laughs> yes, just like that. And now, uh, this is where Cyclops, I don't know if we knew this before, but Cyclops says, Your plasma blast won't hurt me, little brother, any more than my optic blasts will hurt you. Genetic quirk, big brother, other folks we blow away. But we just make each other stronger. I feel like that's the thing that's been established, or at least it's been established on this show, whether or not it was in the comics or not. Right. I, I know we talked about it, but I can't remember if we talked about it in the context of when we first met Havoc or Classic X-Men or just as a, a an aside. That would have been years ago. Yeah. Like, who's going to do the research to figure out what episode we said that on? I can barely remember this morning. <laughs> It's Wednesday, right? Yeah. I mean, what? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe. I, I really don't know. Uh, so the only way to end this, Cyclops says, is the old-fashioned way, and they start fist fighting. Yeah, this is weird. He says the only way to end this to, to this fight is the old-fashioned way, and then he punches Alex, and then he says, Alex, no! Well, Alex shoots some rocks above his head. Above Alex's head. So Alex looks like he's trying to commit some suicide, or maybe he was about to blast back at Cyclops, but instead he shoots upward. Anyways. I'm not, really, I'm not sure what happened there. He's he's shooting rocks. Rocks are falling towards his head, and Cyclops saves him from the rocks. She was never your wife, not in your heart. She was just a reasonable facsimile of Jean, a copy that didn't quite measure up, so you tossed her aside like trash, abandoned her. And uh, Havoc hits Cyclops in the back of the head with a nice little fist there. Ouch! Gene says, free! I'm free! Let me announce this to take away any element of surprise! <laughs> She's been saying that for like three pages now. <laughs> Madeline picks up the baby from Grandma Gray and says, are you indeed? And she's holding on to the baby. Gene wants the baby. Um, but, but Madeline says, why? She's mine. Little Nathan is mine the only thing that was ever mine and i will dispose of him as i choose she's she's full on 
she's full on evil at this point. I mean, I, yeah. I know she has been, but like, if there was ever a moment where the X Men would be like, "We can save her," like this would be the moment. We're like, "Nah, she's lost cause." Mean, meanwhile, down below, somebody is saying, "Now, well, Jean distracts the Goblin Queen, but nobody actually does anything." Um, I guess the Goblin Queen puts up a bubble, and then they all attack the bubble. So maybe that maybe they were planning to hit her, but then they ran into the bubble. I think she's answering that by saying, Will you never learn? I am more powerful than you could possibly imagine. And Obi-Wan Kenobi disappears. <laughs> <laughs> That's when she throws up the bubble. So I assume it's either Wolverine or um, Psylocke who says it, because that's who you see in the next panel along with Colossus. So when Storm talk, Oh, I thought it was Storm. Could, well, I cause, guess it could be. I don't know. Because of her poofy hair. Yeah. Um, so when whoever that is talks off from like that far away, Madeline can hear it. But when Madeline talks, nobody hears it. Madeline has the additional power of being able to talk freely and choosing who hears her. <laughs> it's demon suppression, y'all. It's it's selective speaking rather than selective hearing. It's very, very, very um, not common power. Jean throws some rocks. Well, Jean, Jean and Madeline are now trapped inside a bubble. Uh, of Madeline's making and Jean tries to throw some rocks at her with some telekinesis. But the moment Madeline puts the baby in front of the rocks, they Jean throws them off course because she doesn't want to hurt the baby. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> and they, they, they talk a lot and they fight a lot. And uh, there's some important stuff here. She talks about how she was, uh, she was a nature did not make her. She was uh, a cell stolen from, Jean Grey by a man called Mr. Senator. She was forced grown into physical adulthood, given artificial life and a false memory of a past she never had. It was quite the jokester, was Mr. Senator. Called me Madeline Pryor because I had a prior existence as you. Everybody heard that, right? Adam called Mr. Sinister Mr. Senator twice. Everybody heard that? <laughs> Just want to put that out there. Um, boy. <laughs> yes, so that's interesting prior existence as you i wonder how long they sat thinking of that or do you think it was like <laughs> a minute and they're like oh i got it or do you think christopher claremont was like what <laughs> after he read this <laughs> no that was never the idea i just like the name madeline Pryor. i've used it for two comic book characters i've created <laughs> uh gene's like how could he i can't believe even if this is you can't blame us and she's like i blame what jews i hate you i hate myself Scott could always tell which was the original, and even before I understood it, I hated it. I hated myself, but I hate you more. And Jean notes that there's a connection with the Phoenix, that she was put in suspended animation, and it stole her template, became me before all the world. Now it's happened again. I've toyed with my life, stolen all over again. And the X-Men are still outside trying to get in to no avail. Storm says it's no use. We're not having any effect at all. Uh, Havoc is about to deliver a killing blow to Havoc, but uh, Cyclops kicks Havoc away. And I think you just said that Havoc was about to deliver a killing blow to Havoc. Oh, I mean Cyclops. Well, they're brothers, you know, <laughs> two Cyclops. Cyclops then kicks Havoc away. Uh, Dark Angel instinctively looks like launches some of his knives because even he's like, What? Yeah, it's a little confusing. I guess you're right. I didn't realize that, but now that you're saying that, that makes sense. Yeah, I think I think he's not quite in control of his facilities. Okay. Uh, and so some of those knives hit 
Havoc, who goes falling off the edge. Cyclops jumps after him. Alex, no! Uh, Alex takes out the rock beneath Cyclops' feet. Cyclops is hanging on to the cliff edge, though. The rocks and Havoc are falling down. And Angel, who is looking way demonic at this point, was like, uh, well, he reconsiders. He's like, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta fix this. I gotta save him. And so he flies down and rescues Havoc from really the condition that he created. Scott's brother, I fired my wings, my evil wings fired before I could stop them, before I could think. Did I even want to stop them? I better go save him. Yep. There are no blades in Alex, which I was kind of, I would like it if there was like at least one hanging out or something. Yeah. Well, you don't really get to see his back. That's true. So. So there's like 50 in his back. That's what you're saying. Yeah. It's, you remember the scene in uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark where the guy turns around and his back's just covered with those. It's like that. Blow darts. Yeah. Just tons of. Uh, neural disrupting flechettes. Sweet. Yeah. Anyways, uh, so yeah, we were back to Gene and Madeline, the 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 showdown that you've been waiting for all this time. I'm a copy, a Xerox that lost a little, no, lost a lot in reproduction. Everything I have, even my few memories, are hand me downs. See what horror we share. We get uh, a very nice. Uh, five-panel drawing of the Annie Richardson memory. So they're in each other's minds now, and that's important to realize because like, I think everything going forward is them seeing each other's memories and minds. Right. So they go through that whole thing again. You you died with her as she died. How that incident, that incident triggered my telepathic powers, but how do you know? You weren't there. How do you know? Because I was there with you. I awakened with that memory. But that doesn't make any sense. The wait, the phoenix, of course, the phoenix. I can say I solve everything with the phoenix just by saying the phoenix. <laughs> so now we get kind of a flashback to what happened. Uh, the phoenix was looking for somebody, found Jean, uh, put her in the bottom of the ocean. Um, this is a retcon on the retcon. Yeah, it's creative. It's neat. <laughs> So the stuff we already know is the stuff you just mentioned. Mm-hmm. And the new stuff is that uh, at some point after the phoenix killed itself, um, after it destroyed the galaxy or whatever it ended up destroying. It returned um, to the bottom of the sea and tried to return itself to her, but Jean subconsciously cast it away? Because... It had been twisted by the life it had been living up to that point. But it arrives with nightmare visions of destruction, horrible image, things it has done in my name, and I reject it. So, <sighs> she didn't know this way back in X-Factor number one, or she's just been hiding this for this whole time. Or No, I, I think I think it's, she, did, she didn't remember it. I'm like, okay with that. I guess I just wish that was a, a teensy bit clear that, like, Oh my God, the memories, they're coming back to me. And then we went into this whole thing. Well, you know, it's with, it's with the whole, the Phoenix, of course. <laughs> of course it is. Uh, and then she says, I reject the memory as I had the Phoenix. So I guess that explains all of it away. Like this happened, but I rejected the memory and the Phoenix. So that's why I haven't brought it up until now, <laughs> which is fine. Uh, meanwhile, the X-Men are outside. They're trying to get help from Havoc and Dazzler and Longshot. Um, which I don't know, it's like, I guess, I guess 
I, I'm not surprised that Havoc isn't. I'm I'm surprised that they're even mentioning that they need help Havoc's help to get into the bubble. But that's what Storm says. This this page is not good on the art. It's it gets a little sloppy. This is like uh, you know double size issues. They always get a little sloppy. Yeah, this this page was definitely one of the last ones that he did as he was trying to meet the deadline because it's it's not great. Cyclops' goggles are goofy looking. Ah, anyways, yeah, so they're gonna they're gonna use some teamwork, Adam. Uh, but Dazzler, she don't want to help because she's got the spotlight, and then for some reason the spotlight goes out, and she's like, "Fine, I'll help." The spotlight goes out because Rogue points out Rogue, whose hair is ridiculous, by the way. It looks like a huge butterfly. <laughs> it's like a bat on her head. Mm-hmm. Um, she points out that the Madeline's actually the center stage, and then just like that, the spotlight disappears. Um, yeah, it's kind of convenient. You want my services, Cyclops? You got him. We'll show her, won't we, Cyclops? Cyclops is leaning over the body of Havoc and says, "What about you, brother of mine?" I won't go against Madeline. You can't make me. And, and Storm says, attack now. Yeah. What fools you are to think that you can reach me that way, says Madeline as she continues to fight Jean. And we get more of the Phoenix background. Uh, See, so so, the, so, so now the Phoenix... this, this page is where he spent all of his time because this is a really good page. Yeah, the next couple pages, actually, because like this, this. Uh, so we have a panel. It's a full page Kind of a spread, but it's broken up into sections. Um, and we have Madeline on the left, Jean Grey on the right, just kind of their profiles. They're talking to each other, and we get an image of the Phoenix. As So so it got rejected by Jean, and it finds Madeline, who is a perfect replication of Jean Grey. And it just sends all of its impressions and stolen memories and gives the the clone Jean Grey – or uh, yeah, the clone Jean Grey – um, consciousness. I awoke with Phoenix's dying thought. I stepped from the test tube where I was grown and called out our lover's name. Scott! I am what I am because you refused to take back what was rightfully yours. More reasons why I'm angry at you. <laughs> if you would have just taken back the Phoenix, none of this would have happened. So I stayed asleep. If only I had known, I could have prevented all of this. Madeline, I'm sorry. And she swipes at Jean and says, sorry doesn't count. Power counts. I am power. <laughs> well, power was what you shoved away. So the uh, Cyclops' pep talk to Alex is not working. So Wolverine stops by and says, hey, I understand why you're not listening to that dork. Come talk to me. I love his ridiculous cowl. <laughs> it's pretty cool. It, I mean, it's it's had various sizes and dimensions this entire issue. But of all of them, this is the best. It is out of control. (laughs) But amazing. And yeah, he's totally like, yeah, he's a total, he's a total geek. Come on. We got to get Madeline. We're going to try to save her, but you know, you do realize everybody that, uh, our Madeline prior was, had her problems, but that's a thing's a demon conjuring it. It's, it's what stole her away from you. So let's, let's go stop the demon. I remember Madeline was lost helpless made me want to save her that's why and wolverine i know come on use your powers he's he's taking care he's taking control he's he's being a real pal he's a good guy with a huge cowl <laughs> An amazingly huge cowl so cyclops is wondering where the best place is um and nobody nobody knows where it is uh havoc says that he'll help but he doesn't approve i can't blame you 
I don't approve myself. I'm afraid I may have already destroyed her already. But I promise you, Alex, we'll save her if she'll let us. And we get another almost full-page spread with the two profiles on either side of the panel. And we see um, Madeline's clone body strapped to a table. And this is where Louise Simonson, Louise Simonson, that's right, (laughs) Louise Simonson, really spoon feeds us all of the things that that occurred and i like it because i didn't have to think it's just (laughs) it's all on the page right here if you wanted to know what was going on since x-factor issue one this will tell you here it is he placed me with scott's grandparents he programmed me to meet scott and acquire a baby with him or well well, of your genetic makeup making me love scott was easy the phoenix had loved him so with your love, they did it on a butt. <laughs> Everybody's doing it on the butt. <laughs> I was Sinister's brood mare. That's why I was created. But I could feel Scott slipping away. Uh, he was my whole life. I thought the baby would hold him, but it didn't work. But Madeline, even after Scott knew I'd return, he couldn't let himself abandon you. In issue 16 or 6 or something, I can't remember, <laughs> he left me to return to you and his son. But by then you were gone. All of the evidence that had existed was wiped out, except for a baby's rattle. Hey, these are things I remember. I remember them, but it still would be nice to have a little editorial box. It is weird that they're not telling. I mean, it would be so easy. Yeah, that's a very important story in the pantheon of X-Factor. Then I wouldn't have said X-Factor 16 or 6, because I would know. I feel like it was 12. See, somewhere in the middle. I don't remember. 14? I... Somewhere. At one point, it I had was, all that memorized. It was one of the issues between 6 and 16. I will agree with that. <laughs> Sinister has always been very thorough, says Madeline. He tried to erase all record of my existence. So if you wanted to know why that happened, you're going to find out right now. You get a whole page worth of information about that. Mm-hmm. I did leave. Scott's grandparents sold the air freight company to Sinister, of course. Mm-hmm. I was hired to fly a cargo to San Francisco. Big time, big money. Who needed Scott? I decided to bring Nathan with me. I realized now that wasn't my decision. The cargo turned out to be my son. And uh, the marauder showed up to kill me. And I used my powers to escape. And there we end up in Uncanny X-Men 200 and. 40B. Nope, 225. Oh, sure. Yeah. Well, I was going to say between 240 and 220, somewhere in there. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it's kind of all over the place because the X-Men found her and then uh, they died and we see a picture of Roma and the globe. So that would have been 227, right? 225. Yep, 227. Okay. <laughs> I, I, I defer to your... Uh, confidence on this one the memory it's there the goddess roma restoring you offering you a chance to go anywhere she could have transported you to her son you could have saved him says gene and asking the question that all the fanboys are asking to try to get their no prize and <laughs> madeline says do not presume to judge me and my uh, by your standards haven't you been listening haven't you understood what did the baby mean to me scott rejected my love all i had left was hate what I needed was revenge. Bum, bum, bum. So I guess that's to say that this whole time, Madeline's been playing the X-Men? That's that's what we're getting. Okay. And she, I think she talks about it more uh, later. Probably. 
I mean, we know that she was delivering fake tapes, fake news tapes, editing out the news bits. Oh, so she's like CNN, huh? Yeah. Fake news. Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) All right, anyway, so Psylocke says, "Uh, what's the luckiest place to blast? (gasps) Longshot could tell us, but he's not lucky right now because he's sad. Hey, Longshot, you should be happy and be lucky. All right, fine. (laughs) Cheer up, buddy. Everything's dark, but I'll try. I'm going to shoot my flechette there. And we hear a ching. And uh, I do like that he says, uh, my luck depends on my motives and they've turned dark as my soul. So it's it's nice that they're, we're getting that thing that we kind of forget about all the time, which is the, the, the original powers as established in the long shot miniseries mm-hmm. where the, his luck actually depends on something. Mm-hmm. So that's, that that was nice. Hasn't been a thing. Louise Simonson's been paying attention. Chris Claremont has not. Did she write that six part? No, that was no, wasn't that. I don't know who that was. Yeah, that was uh, what's her name? Uh, the woman who Ricochet Rita looks like. Oh, Anne Nocenti. Anne Nocenti, yes. Yeah, yeah. Good call. Yeah. Good call. See, sometimes we get things, folks. <laughs> sometimes we do. So, so he throws it at apparently the weak spot in Madeline's power bubble. And uh, Havoc, or Cyclops rather, says, now, people, that's it. Everybody fires. Wolverine is hanging on to Havoc. So it's like a teamwork panel, right? Ha- uh, Wolverine is hanging on to Havoc because apparently he can't stand. Cyclops no. is blasting. Dazzler's blasting. Yeah, I didn't notice that before. It's kind of silly. It's cute. I, I guess I like it. He's got like <laughs> his evil like, ooh, I'm grunting because this is so much work and I got a big cowl. <laughs> I'm giving him a bear hug. I love this guy. Little knucklehead. Dazzler is saying, Dazzle Blast! <laughs> pew, pew, Dazzle Blast! We get another half-page spread of, uh, again, the profiles of Gene and Madeline with their interconnected mind beam. Um, Madeline comments that they're beginning to get through, but no, no, they're all against me. Even my goblin prince, they've always been against me. Always want what I have. Scott, the baby, you! To protect myself, I took charge of the X-Men's computer. They were busy, only too glad to let me, quote, unquote, help. Mm-hmm. And what a help I was. I monitored, censored the news about X-Factor. So only the so the X-Men knew only the worst. There was no, uh, there was to be no partnership with Scott. I would deprive him of his friends, even if his, as he had deprived me. And when X-Factor met X-Factor, they would destroy them. Or they would probably talk about things, but, you know. <laughs> Maybe these guys, I I was right, so. Yeah, yeah. I didn't really think through the plan that far, but it worked for a little bit. The demons came later through Nastir, and he lit the fuse. I'm the bomb. Ba-boom. Madeline, no, it doesn't have to be like this. Uh, Gene says, I've been with you inside your mind. Uh, as you've been inside mine, I understand you. I know you. I understand. I didn't start the fire. It was always burning since the world was turning. <laughs> I didn't say what was done to you, but I'm partly responsible. So is Scott. So we all are. Even now, with all this past between us, we can work things out. You have so much. You have life. And what I don't have, what I may never have, Scott's son. Don't toss it all away, says Jean. Why does she think she'll never have Scott's son? Well, she'll never have Nathan, Scott's son. Well, she might have a different one. She might, but not, but not that son. She's bound to have daughters. Don't toss it all away. Please, we can offer you a safe haven where you can adjust and grow. And Madeline says, no. 
You're so smug in reality. You think this gives power over me? Not power, Madeline. Understanding. Hope. You dangle these trinkets to distract me. You think they weaken me. Keep at it, people. We're almost in. <laughs> Fools have my own reality. It's pain, fury, and hatred. And that's when X-Men and X-Factor, using teamwork together, burst through the bubble. Crack-a-boom. Storm, separate them while we... Says Cyclops, but then Madeline, without missing a beat, throws the baby up in the air. Save the baby! The target, the prize, the clay pigeon, in this skeet shoot. Cyclops somehow jumps into the air and saves the baby. I'm not sure, like, okay, so now he's higher than, he's higher up than she is. I don't know how this works. He looks down on Madeline and says, I have the high ground. (laughs) <laughs> so in a panel bef- like a couple panels earlier they the 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 X-Men are lower but then when once they burst through the bubble somehow Cyclops gets higher. At any rate, she launches the baby up into the air and Cyclops who is up in the air catches the baby and presumably is going to fall to his death. Well, that's where you want to be when you want to catch a baby that's thrown in the air. Cyclops knew that. He's a leader. He does a great job. He's yeah. he's a real quality guy. Yeah. Jean Grey says, "Scott, Madeline, please, you've had your revenge, which I, I, has she? Well, she threw the baby up in the air. It was probably pretty scary for the baby and scary <laughs> for the father. Well, you're right. I did throw the baby up in the air. I guess I have had my revenge. Okay, well, I'm ready to go to that safe haven now. <laughs> I'm better now. No, she says, if the only way I can kill you and Scott and that baby, that prize, Sinister's prize, is to kill us all, so be it. And she blows herself up because she's the bomb mm-hmm that nastir lit the fuse of yeah we will be a living altar upon which i'll sacrifice scott's son and we're gonna open up limbo because i still think that's a thing for some reason <laughs> <laughs> i don't really care about limbo and but... colossus says wait didn't i tell you earlier in the issue that that's all done you cannot do that uh, and it's fire will destroy the earth so there's a big explosion, and it's a pretty cool panel. Um, on one side, you get the explosion. On the on the, the right side, you see what the all the X Men are doing. Rogue is and Beast are both trying to catch uh, Cyclops, who is still blasting upwards out of the explosion. Um, Iceman is creating a shield for between him and the explosion and Longshot. Uh, Storm declares that she is using hurricane winds to deflect most of the debris. And on the side, I guess Colossus is rescuing, is kind of protecting Dazzler. And Psylocke is hanging, I guess. Yeah. And uh, Dark Angel, Death Angel, is also using his wings as kind of a blockade, I guess protecting Havoc more or less. So all of that explosion and Madeline falls to the ground and says, Blast should have killed the child, destroyed us all. But Gene says, X-Men protect each other. We work together. Do you? Uh, then let them protect you from this. We're chained, locked together by telepathic chains. And I'm like you were to Annie Richardson. Only I'll hang on and drag you into death with me. And uh, Madeline dies. Lights in her mind, our mind, like stars of the universe of stars, twinkling snapses, wink out one by one till darkness swallows us. Madeline, please don't do this. Live not in the same world as you. 
No, she's gone, and I'm following her. No, in the dark, a bird of fire, beautiful, deadly, undying. Free, says the phoenix. <laughs> so phoenix shows up, and he's all like, yo, what's what up, up, guys? Somebody call my name? <laughs> phoenix, no, not phoenix, only a piece of the phoenix stole. Not stole, borrowed. Borrowed, then. And now sure. returned. <laughs> Semantics, Phoenix, we don't have time for this. <laughs> Tattered, soiled, bearing death. An accident, I meant no harm. So uh, the Phoenix wants to return the bit of life that he attempted to return before and Jean Grey rejected. And uh, in order to live, Jean Grey finally accepts that. Oh, you know what, this is, okay, so... There's a lot of words and things happening on here that are not were not immediately clear to me. Okay. But, but the reason that all of the, I, I get it now, and it, it, it literally says it on the page, but for whatever reason, I wasn't picking it up. She says that she's dying, right? Uh, no, she's gone, and I'm following her. So she's dying. Jean is also dying. And now Phoenix is here to be like, yo, I can bring you back to life, uh, but you got to accept me. And she's like, oh, but I rejected you before. Okay, fine. <laughs> yep. And so I guess she's also going on to say she had no human experience, uh, uh, no self, just borrowed life, stolen memories, tinged with death, doomed from birth. But since Jean has had a whole life, she can handle this power. She can handle this fragment of Phoenix. So I'll be curious if in the next issue, Jean remembers all of the stuff from when she was Phoenix and all of the stuff from when she was Madeline. I don't know. Phoenix, Madeline. Tangled together like strands of night and fire. Where does one end and the other begin? Where do I fit in? What does it matter? I want to live. I accept you willingly. You're already a part of me. Then live, Jean Grey, for all of us, says the phoenix. Boom, huh? says the panel. <laughs> so, uh, not to, to tangent too much, but Madeline here says, uh, No, not in the same world as you. Did you know that there was a, like an alternate reality story? Did it happen around this time or later? Later, and I only discovered it at like a half price bookstore, uh, where there's a whole series of the Goblin Queen and Havoc. No, uh, I don't remember like in continuity wise. I think it, in continuity it happens somewhat after this, where Havoc accidentally falls into a portal and goes to a different world where the Goblin Queen exists, and I think it's oh, this yeah. Goblin Queen, and then they kind of hook up and solve crimes for a while, and then Havoc. I think I remember that. It was like, yeah, it was it was when Havoc was outside of, he had his own comic series for a while. Yeah, well, I don't, I don't think it's called Havoc. I don't no, I, I think it's called like, I, I want to say it's called X-Man, but I don't think that's oh, what it's called. I think, I, think, I think it might be called X-Man. Is it? Oh, okay. I think, I think it might be. Anyways, so maybe, maybe that's what she meant. Not in the same world as this. I was sort of hoping that Madeline would live because wouldn't it be interesting if like, you know, she gets rid of all the demon stuff, but she still remembers everything. And then she's still like hanging out with Scott and Scott has this like super complicated. It's like, yeah, I got to go hang out with uh, Madeline Jean. I know it's kind of weird. And they like have lunches together and, and picnics and Jean and Madeline are always talking about Scott behind his back. So they have like an open relationship. Well, I mean, you know, Scott, Scott probably chooses Jean over Madeline. But, you know, Madeline understands at this point. But she still wants to be involved in their, their lives because, you know, the the Nathan is her and Scott's son. It would just create some weird kind of soap opera stuff that might be sort of fun. And and we, and there's uh, there's not really a morality uh, uh, issue here because Madeline and Jean are just clones of one another. So it's really the same person. Yeah. 
I just I thought it would be interesting if she lived, but obviously that wasn't the direction they were headed in. No, this is comic books. Uh, yeah. She she did bad stuff, so she has to die. <laughs> um, the demons all vanish. The Empire State Building shrinks. The Greys become naked Greys, and Cyclops has his son, Gene, or my son, Gene, Madeline. And Gene is there, and she more or less explains everything to Scott with less words. Yep. It wasn't your it wasn't your fault. The Phoenix Force was fooled by her. How could you not be? So everything's forgiven, and we can just pretend like none of this happened. Her existence was based on lies. They weren't just her lies. Your promise, your lie, answered the living lie that Madeline had become. Lie, 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 lie. <laughs> so this this issue really just kind of absolves Scott of all of the sins. Yeah. Impressive. Impressive, yeah. Louise Simonson. <laughs> so the whole thing that Chris Claremont was worried about when they first brought Jean back, dealing with Madeline and the kid, are all taken care of right here. Because comics are a beautiful thing. Yeah, you can do anything. You can do whatever the F you want. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, everybody's, uh, everybody's okay. We found some blankets for the, for the greys, for the naked greys. <laughs> naked greys. Alex is still not very happy. There are three more random babies there for some reason. Yeah, there used to be 12, but I guess the exterminators maybe got the other nine. I, or these are just totally different babies. Who knows? Could be. Because I think the exterminators got all the babies. That was, that was, they made a big deal out of it. We got all the babies. That's true. Uh, Angel is a little sad that he felt he was d death and he was dark angel and he thought it fit. But Beast is like, really, I think the first time Beast speaks in this entire issue well, earlier he 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 uh, says to Colossus, "How did this mess begin?" Oh, right. And Colossus says, "Did you ever meet my little sister?" Yeah. Dot, and dot, then dot. apparently Beast walks away. Yeah. Because <laughs> now he's talking to Dark Angel. He's like, "Oh, I remember this guy. He's boring. I don't want to talk to him." Uh, and so Beast says, "No, nah, you're not a Dark Angel. You're our Archangel." Dun dun dun. Heaven knows we could use one. Uh, Longshot also is very sad about uh, he doesn't want anybody to look at him. All right, don't look at me. I'm, I'm hideous. Alex, too, is very sad, and Wolverine tries to console him. We tried to save her. Jean tried. You saw she wouldn't let us. I'm sorry. Sorry doesn't make it right. You chose to hurt her. I tried to help. A lot of good it did. Couldn't even help her. I even became a goblin prince. You saw that, right? Look at how I'm dressed. This is ridiculous. You think I like this? I'm going over by the X-Men. <laughs> uh, somebody asks, like, why are our costumes still all messed up? Yeah, uh, the city reverted. The Empire State Building reverted. So how come our costumes, sta ch costumes stayed changed? Maybe the demons are trying to tell us something, sugar. What's that, rogue, says Dazzler. I don't know, sugar. Uh, it was Sinister who stole a part of me, who made her, who used her, who caused her destruction. Storm says Madeline is just one of his victims. Mr. Sinister leads the Marauders. At his urging, how many others have they slain? Cyclops says it's time to find him and make him pay in kind for the souls that he's twisted and the lives he's destroyed. And then the uh, next issue caption panel whatever says 
It all goes back to X-Men number one. Find out why and what's really been going on when the X-Men and X-Factor confront Mr. Sinister in X-Men 243 and X-Factor 39. Don't say we didn't warn you. So as a kid, I had most of these, uh, but I didn't have X-Factor number 39, which is really the end of Excalibur. I'm sorry, Inferno? Inferno? Yeah. We're about to read Excalibur, but it was the end of Inferno. So it took years before I knew how Inferno ended. <laughs> well, not only that, but there's even like a, a like a X, X Factor annual that has a like a end log or whatever to oh, Inferno. Really? Wow! That technically you don't isn't you don't really have to read. Just can't get enough. No, you're not missing anything by if you didn't have that one. So there you go, everybody. Madeline Pryor's dead. And Inferno's almost almost over. Just just two more stories, and then it's, it's over. It's so close, I can taste it. Yeah, it's been... It's Doesn't been, taste good. No, it's, it's been a long journey. It's a good story, though. What's the next uh, crossover event, mutant-wise? Mutant Inferno Massacre Agenda? Jam. Oh, is it? It might be Extinction Agenda. I honestly don't remember what what the next big event is, but I feel like Extinction Agenda is quite a ways away. So maybe, maybe they burnt themselves out on Inferno, and they're like, let's 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 not do this for a while. <laughs> could be, yeah. Or we're just forgetting one. That could be too. Uh, so yeah, we got a got a Facebook message from John Brooks. He says he started listening to the podcast about six months back, and we'd just like to say that uh, he thoroughly enjoys it. Uh, he's been listening to it through a couple of different apps um, while doing yard work. Um, he was about to listen to episode 73, The Entrance of Wolverine, but then decided to listen to our latest podcast on the Dark Phoenix movie. Uh, so that tells you that, you know, what, we're on like episode 300 and something by now. What episode are we on? Uh, 270. Uh, this is 280. Wow. So. See, so close to 300. So he's, he's a good 200 episodes behind us. And so he just listened to the dark Phoenix and he was happy to hear that the format hasn't changed. And all I hear when I see that is that we haven't, uh, changed. <laughs> My voice has gotten a lot higher. I don't know <laughs> what he's talking about. <laughs> we haven't evolved. We haven't matured. We're just the same old, same old, you know. People like the same. I oh. mean, look at Marvel Comics. They haven't changed in over 80 years. Uh, yeah, that's true. Uh, actually, that's not true. The comics these days take like a minute to read through. That's true. <laughs> uh, and they look prettier, maybe, sometimes. Not all the time. And the coloring is way different. Yeah, and the paper is much nicer. Yeah, yeah. It's a different, like, the whole process is different. Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, he wanted to, he appreciates the podcast and our dedication to keeping it going after so many years. So many years. <laughs> it has been quite a few years. I love your guys' humor. Reminds me of an old friendship I used to have. Makes me curious about the history of your guys' friendship. You ought to do a show, which we already did, talking of about course. how we met and ultimately decided to do the show. Yeah. So, and, and if he's on episode seventy three, I think he's like two episodes away from that show. Boy, is he in for a surprise! <laughs> and in two years, when he gets to this episode, we can say greetings from the past in the future. Yes, well, he won't get to this for a while. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I think he, I think he wrote another uh, letter that we covered uh, probably a couple of episodes ago, or maybe maybe ten or twelve or something like that. So, greetings from the future's future. Yeah. Yeah. Is that what we say when people write more than one message? Yeah, but something about the past, because by the time they listen to this, it will be our past, but their future. 
Or present, actually. Okay. Yeah. Well, it's always going to be their present. True. But it'll be our past. Right. But when we're saying it now, it's their future. So. Whoa. Whoa. Mind is blown. Well, thanks for listening, John, and uh, we hope we hope you're still listening. Because if you're not, you didn't hear this message. Yeah. And if you'd like to communicate us from the past so that we can greet you from the future, try to figure out how to do that. You can contact us at www.xmenpodcast.com, facebook.com forward slash Danger Room Podcast, at Danger Room Go, or you can email us, dangerroom at xmenpodcast.com. Go out to iTunes. You can type in uh, Danger Room or the first podcast that will show up, and you can subscribe there or leave us some feedback or call us, 501-GET-X-MEN. That's 501-438-9636. Or go out to our Patreon, www.patreon.com forward slash Danger Room and subscribe to one of our amazing patron levels. So amazing. amazing. Super amazing. Our theme music is provided by Laszlo Hollyfeld. True dad. More Inferno. It doesn't end. It just looks a little prettier. In <laughs> Excalibur number seven. So where we left off with the last issue, Kitty Pride was getting attacked by Captain Britain. But like Rambo Captain Britain. With Freddy uh, claws. And an, and an axe. Yeah. And a sword. But do you remember Crotus? Oh, yeah. Of course I remember Crotus. Crotus is back and he's hanging out. Uh, down on the street, and he's like, mm, Crotus was a good servant, but Crotus never fed babies. <laughs> Stuck up Lord and Master Nastir. But then he sees uh, a mannequin version of um, Rachel, and he falls in love. It's her! He's got some sort of book. Yeah, does this Nastir's spell book, maybe? Probably. Yeah. I think at this point, Nastir may or may not be dead, but. Uh, some of this definitely is happening uh, in uh, parallel to other things we've read. Well, Nastir was in the last issue of Excalibur, so I don't know if, like. I feel like in the first, let's just say one third of this book, Nastir is alive. And then the okay. last two thirds of the book, he's dead. I can dig it. Because uh, there's definitely a reference to Ilyana, which is really the only thing that's of importance in this issue that kind of ties to that issue of New Mutants, which I guess would have been on sale this month, maybe. Maybe not. I don't remember. So Crotus wants to marry the mannequin. Because it recognizes that the mannequin is connected directly to the phoenix, whereas uh, the Goblin Queen is only kind of connected to the phoenix. Right. Kitty and Brian go through a number of different movie parodies. He turns into Jason at one point. She becomes a cheerleader. We also get these like uh, three random humans who get sucked in. And I enjoyed reading this one guy's dialogue because it was uh, it was very ridiculous. Just got Diddy Bop kicking and screaming into a movie. Solipsistically speaking, the ontological structure of nature only as regards our externalized ontogenetic frame of reference, blah, blah, blah. But it was funny. And then there's another part where a demon goes, geez, what some cinemas won't do to pull it an audience. And he looks at square at the camera and it was funny. <laughs> yes. Ah, some, some, some good art in here. Really good art. I really wish we could see, um, uh, I wish we could see an Alan Davis horror comic. Oh yeah. 
because some of these uh these goofy freddy parody things really good these are these are probably as close as you get as far as i know i mean maybe maybe there are some alan davis horror comics out there nightcrawler is unaffected and i had difficulty following his story he becomes friends with a stone dog thing that becomes a gargoyle gargoyle that becomes alive and they they kind of chit chat and hang out but ultimately the gargoyle dies and nightcrawler feels bad about it yeah the gargoyle says dies helping nightcrawler so it makes sense that he feels bad about it a bunch of mannequins start attacking and like these robo guys there is a super creepy panel where the they the robo guys blow away the mannequins and the mannequins start putting themselves together in any fashion whatsoever, and it's freaky. It's very cool. There's like heads on uh, torsos. and There's a pair of legs with a waist and then a head on top of the waist. There is an upside-down body with two heads for the legs that just is freaky looking. All of it's very cool. I think <laughs> Alan Davis is like, this is what I want to draw. And Chris Claremont's like, well, all right. I feel like we could work this into Inferno because – this really has very little to do with Inferno. It's more just a weird thing that's happening. Yeah. Um, and I'm still unclear as to why Megan was uh, corrupted. As you pointed out last issue, she we we had this whole bit of her uh, absorbing other people's emotions, kind of when she like she did with the sailors and she did with Nightcrawler. So I think. I sure. think you pointed out that she's just kind of absorbing what's going on around her. Yeah, 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 you're right. So, yeah, that she's trying to – seems like she's trying to kill Brian. She's trying to kill everybody, it seems like. Yeah. Uh, Kitty, Brian, she 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 has all of the, the dead X-Men around her to freak Kitty out. It's not the real X-Men, of course, but they're, they're all zombified. So, Crotus – uh, finishes the marriage and the ceremony with um, Rachel, and Rachel's skin just uh, decomposes. Well, so there's like there's two statues or mannequins of Rachel. Nightcrawler has one of them, and Crotus has the other one. I'm not sure why there are two, but at the end, when Rachel's skin is absorbing, um. Nightcrawler somehow ma- matches them together. I, I don't know. It's, it's kind of confusing. Um, but then at wherever they are, wherever the goblin princess is, um, she's captured Brian, and Brian's got like this weird kind of bondage suit on. <laughs> yep. Very skimpy. Um, Kitty comes in. kind of like, remember, remember when Professor X had a bondage suit? It's kind of like that. Yeah, it's, yep, yep. So Kitty comes in and she's got the soul sword and she's got the living uh, armor suit. And she's like, uh, I can free Brian of the spell. I know how to use this sword. I've done it before. But it's weird that it showed up because the last time it showed up is when the Beyonder murdered all the new mutants, including Ilyana. So I hope Ilyana's okay. <laughs> yeah, sure. Sure hope nothing's wrong there. She slices the sword through Brian, and he goes back to normal. And then uh, she she becomes more and more demonic. Yeah, Megan turns her into a demon uh, shadow cat, basically. And she throws the sword at Megan, which 
fixes Megan. Uh, Nightcrawler manages to kick Crotus aside at his uh, at Crotus's wedding ceremony. I guess everything's kind of turned like spinning around and dusting. the The gargoyle friend of Nightcrawler throws the other mannequin of of Phoenix into the fire. And Nightcrawler throws the magic book into the fire. And at the center of the fire is the mannequin of Rachel that Crotus found. And then there is a huge Phoenix flame that comes out of the explosion. And Phoenix is back to normal. I sure hope Jean Grey doesn't see that because that'd be weird. (laughs) What's that over there? It feels like I just saw that when Madeline died. Maybe it all happened at the same time. Sure. So everybody escapes the movie theater. Uh, Nightcrawler mourns the loss of his little gargoyle buddy. Mm-hmm. And Kitty is wondering about the soul sword. I really cut him. So was that part of the film or something more? So the the the, the soul sword normally doesn't cut people when it just rescues their souls or whatever it is. Just cuts through the magic. So she doesn't understand why it did cut Brian. Yeah. Some something's going on with Brian. Yes, probably has to do with whatever was going on with Saturnine a couple issues ago. Yeah, and Crotus heads back. Master, Master, are you out there? Master, I want to come back to you. But I think by this time, Master is dead. Yep, I think so too. So does Crotus become a villain of Excalibur? Uh, we will do another Crotus episode next episode, so I won't say anything. So hang on to your hats. It's the adventures of Crotus. Sweet. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so there you go. That's uh, Excalibur. We also covered Marvel Comics Presents number 20, which has a wicked Mike Mignola cover. Of Master Mold and Cyclops. This is really the best part about it. It's a sweet cover. Yeah? What happens with the rest of it? Uh, I was falling asleep as I read this, but um, <laughs> Master Mold, for some reason, wants to get Moira back because Cyclops managed to save her in the last issue when the all the little people stole Sean and the little girl uh, from the hospital. Master Mold reveals that he has a character named Conscience that I guess he built, who is a representative part of Master Mold, who he allows to do like a mission to go get Moira again. Um, Callisto is here. Is this the first time we're seeing Callisto in the Marvel Comics Presents Cyclops story? Yeah, as far as I know, but we know she's hanging out with uh, Moira in the pages of Excalibur. Yeah, so they must have uh, finally connected and realized, oh, we should really put Callisto in here. Because Callisto does refer to herself as the bodyguard of Moira. Yep. So Moira's pretty upset because she is back to normal and she realized she did all this terrible stuff. Cyclops is sick with the mutant disease that affected Sean and uh, the little girl. Moira feels bad about that too. The conscience character shows up to attack and sends a bunch of little men planes after them, and uh, there, they, there's, there's some fighting, but, but the, the good guys lose on this one, and we end with 
the conscience grabbing Scott Darth Vader style, lifting him up in the air. So he says, I, I only know about hate and revenge against your filthy kind and against this scum in particular, Scott Summers, who killed me as both a man and a sentinel. And my, oh, my, is he going to pay? So conscience is supposed to be like the conscience part of Masterbold. I don't know. It's weird. I don't know either. As I've mentioned before, I only read one chapter of this as a kid, and this was not that chapter. <laughs> We're running out of chapters, so... I'm guessing it's the next chapter, because I definitely remember Cyclops working with Conscience. Actually, we, we got we got five, four more chapters left, so it could, it could oh. be any of those. Uh, but of course, when I was a kid and couldn't read, I called him Conscience. <laughs> cool. Because that's how it's spelt. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so there you go. That's it. That's all we got. There you, there you go, folks. So, yeah. This this was a uh, we we didn't do a lot of backups because this one was uh, it was a double sized and we're tired. Yes, sir. So old tired men. <laughs> well, when you do a podcast as long as we've been doing a podcast, <laughs> you you know you lose a little steam, you get a little tired. Jeremy, where am I? I'm not sure. <laughs> am I at your house again? Where are you? <laughs> I'm in the closet. It's warm in here. All right, so I guess with that, I'm going to close it down, Adam, and say, until next time, my name is Jeremy. My name is Adam. And the danger room is closed. I almost forgot what I was going to say there.